the message, and I believe the scriptures we'll be reading from today are, are in there. And quite often I'll share a few words of introduction before we get into the topic, but on this day I think all of us know what we're going to be talking about. It is Christmas Eve, we've got one thing on our minds, and I want to begin today by reading a portion of the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. So if you'd like to join me in turning to Luke chapter 2, and uh, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for making time to uh, be in church. I think that's a good thing to do, to share this time with your church family and friends, and and, uh, we're going to have a great time together uh, in the Word today. Luke chapter 2 is where I'll be reading from uh, this morning, and if you're able, I'd like to invite you one more time, if you would, to join me in standing out of respect for reading of the Word of God. If you're glad it's Christmas time, say amen. 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 Christmas is this moment of anticipation, but I think by the time it gets here, we're all tired and ready for it to come, you know? And uh, so we're going to have a good time today studying the real meaning of this season. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says this, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people." For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Our Father, we are grateful today for the privilege to be in this church with one another, with your word in the midst. Lord, we're grateful for the freedom we have in this land to be able to assemble freely. And and yet, God, we come to you today because we're acknowledging our need for you in our lives. And so I pray that this study today would help us to know you better so that we may Uh, serve you with our lives. Bless this time we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I think there's a common greeting we give to people during this time of year. We have talked a lot about it. Some would say there's even some controversy around it, but I believe the most common greeting people give during this time of the year is Merry Christmas. And uh, we think of songs like, we wish you A Merry Christmas. And I want you to know today, I wish you a Merry Christmas. And the reason I do that is because a good Christmas is not something that just happens automatically. In fact, it's possible in the Christmas season to get so preoccupied with all that's going on that we manage to miss the meaning, the significance of what it's all about. And really, if you study the Christmas story, you're going to find that it's a story that includes some of the very key players, the key figures that really missed what it was all about. That was the story of Christmas. I think, for example, of the innkeeper. The innkeeper was busy. He was busy. He missed Christmas because he was so busy. 
As the Christmas story unfolds, we know Mary and Joseph were traveling from where they were from in Nazareth to Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem. And as they did, they came to Bethlehem in need of a place to stay. They went to the local hotel, if you would. And what they learned is it was full. In fact, in the verses we read a moment ago in Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible says there was no room for them in the inn. The innkeeper saw them and said, sorry, I'm all full. I'm busy. I've got no room for you. The innkeeper missed Christmas because he was super busy. And I think we all know how that feels. I had the extreme misfortune last night of going to Target. And I can attest, the world is busy, okay? That was uh, chaotic. It's just this time of year can get that way. I remember Lisa and I's first Christmas together years ago, and, and uh, we got up on Christmas morning. We were so excited, and we drove off to see her grandmother, and from there we went to see my parents, and then we went to see her mom, and then her dad, and then after about 175 miles of driving that day, we got home, and everywhere we went, they thought we got there late. When it was time to go, they thought we were leaving too early, and I said, this was the worst day ever. We made all our family upset, and we, we burned this whole day, and we agreed, man, we're never going to do it that way again, at least not exactly that way. You know, sometimes we just get so busy in the course of life that like the innkeeper we can miss the importance of Christmas I think of the religious leaders in the Christmas story they were just uninterested maybe you remember this part of the Christmas story we talked about it recently the wise men traveled from the east and they were heading west and they arrived there and they had an opportunity to meet who was called the king Herod they called Herod the king of the Jews and when they met Herod they asked him if he knew where this king was that had been born well he did not like the sound of that if you're a king you don't want to hear about another king and so he called his religious leaders in who were his advisors and and he said do you, do you guys know anything about this king this this baby that supposedly has been born and what's interesting is the religious leaders said you know we know exactly what you're talking about yeah we we know we know about that they said this in matthew chapter 2 when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Now I want you to hear what the religious leaders said to the king. They said, Oh king, we know exactly what, what you're talking about. It's in the Bible. They said a long time ago, a prophet by the name of Micah, he, he told us exactly where Jesus would be born and he said it, that he would be born in Bethlehem. Now what's mind-blowing to me is the fact that these religious leaders had all this knowledge, this intellectual knowledge of what they had of the Word of God and they still refused to take the five or six mile walk from where they were in Jerusalem to make their way to Bethlehem to see for themselves. They just missed it. You see, for them, it was about information, but there was no life transformation. It was, it was all about religion, and it wasn't at all about a relationship. They were just going through the motions. And sometimes when we get in this season, we can just kind of throw it in overdrive and go through the motions and miss the meaning of it all. In fact, these men were in what we might call today church work or ministry, and they still missed it. Sometimes we get busy. Sometimes we're just uninterested and then I think of Herod the king I mentioned a moment ago I believe he missed Christmas because he was afraid he was afraid Herod was an interesting guy he was also an insane man uh, he did a lot of great things in his life he was known for his building exploits but on the other hand he, he was very unstable 
History tells us that Herod, he killed his wife and two of his sons and his mother-in-law just out of suspicion that they might be trying to take some of his authority and, and to take the throne from him. In fact, when he knew his life was coming to an end, he knew that the people so despised him that no one would mourn his death. Again, history tells us that as Herod was preparing to die, he gave an order that there be a mass slaughter of people in, in the land on the day of his death so that at least there would be some sad people in the city when he died. He didn't want them to throw a party. This was a man that wasn't altogether right. He was, he was called the king of the Jews, but Herod, interestingly, was a Roman citizen and he was of Arabian descent. And his job was to keep an eye on the Jews in that area for, for the people in Rome. And his problem with Christmas was that if it were true that Jesus was born and he were a king, somehow that would change the way he lived. The thought of Christmas brought him to the point where he thought, you know, if this is true, if Jesus is real, it's going to have an impact on my life. And he came to the conclusion it's going to be a negative impact and as strange as that sounds i routinely talk with people who seem to have a sense that if they really were to believe the bible and live the bible and live a life that was honoring to jesus that it would somehow diminish their life it would make it boring or less enjoyable and and that's really the conclusion to which herod came he he was afraid of what it all would mean did you know that the fact is there's a part of each of us that will never really make any sense until we meet jesus We'll be like a hamster on the, on the wheel, just going around and around, expending energy and, and living life. But, but it'll never make the sense that it can make until we meet Jesus. Because Jesus did not come to hurt us. He, he came saying this in John 3 and verse 17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Jesus said, listen, I didn't come to bring condemnation. I came to provide a way for spiritual salvation. In John 10 and verse 10, Jesus said this. He said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And this is why I love Christmas Eve. It's kind of this quiet moment in between the chaos of getting ready for Christmas and the chaos that's going to kick off sometime tomorrow morning when the youngest member of your family wakes up and says, let's get this party started, all right? We got presents to get to. This is that quiet moment in between the chaos of it all where we get to just stop and say, you know, I want to make sure I don't miss the meaning found in Christmas. It's hard to imagine that the most advertised and commercialized day of the year could be missed, but for many people, spiritually, it is. It's the most anticipated and celebrated day of the year, and yet for many, it's lost. All the decorations and the songs and the lights and the gifts and the cards and the movies and the cookies and good things like that, all of that, we can still miss it. Sometimes it's because we just get too busy. Sometimes it's because we lose interest. Sometimes it's because there's fear in the midst of our lives. And so today, with the moments I have left, I want us to consider if, if we miss Christmas, what would we be missing? I want you to see today that in Christmas we find an opportunity, first of all today, to find peace. To find peace. Now the innkeeper, we mentioned a moment ago, we missed Christmas because he was 
He was busy, and, and I'm sure you would all agree that the pace of life has not slowed down in the last 2,000 years, okay? He had a lot going on, and that was a busy season for him, we could say. Tax season in Bethlehem brought people in. There was a lot going on, and to his credit, he did find a place for Mary and Joseph to stay. But listen, if they were busy in their day, we, we've got to know, man, we're very busy in our day. We've got things calling for our attention all of the time. And this busy lifestyle we lead, it can lead to stress and exhaustion and anxiety. And I think those three terms pretty much sums up the American people today. This world in which we're living is stressed out exhausted and anxious and yet about 700 years before jesus was born the prophet isaiah said this in isaiah 9 and verse 6 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace you see, Jesus is the embodiment of peace. He's the antithesis of all these things that really do bring fear into our lives. He is peace. And we live really in a unique time in world history. More people are afraid than, than ever before. Generations of Americans have found great comfort in the fact that two of our borders are oceans. And we thought that brought a measure of security. But with each passing day, the world seems to be getting smaller and smaller. And the, the, the problems we have are global in proportion. And it brings fear sometimes. When the angels appeared to the primary characters in the Christmas story, they always started off their words from God the same way. They said, don't be afraid, fear not. The angels came to Zacharias. We know as they spoke there to Jesus' uncle, they said, fear not. To Mary, the angel said, fear not. To Joseph, the message began with fear not. And I want you to know, angels aren't wasting words. They're messengers from God. And they wouldn't have said fear not. A fear was not a major problem in their hearts and lives. And it's good to know this Christmas that we have a God who can say, listen, fear not. You don't need to be consumed with fear. The apostle Peter wrote this in 2 Peter 1 and verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, when we understand what Christmas is and more than that, who Jesus is and what that can mean to us, the Bible says we can have peace that's multiplying in proportion to our understanding or our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, we can have peace with God. We can know we have a right stand, standing with God. But we can also have peace from God. So in the midst of our lives, we can know what it is to be steady on the inside when it's chaotic on the outside. This is a time to find peace. The second element today is this. In Christmas, we find an opportunity to enjoy a relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus. Several years ago, right around the Christmas season, in fact, it was just a couple days before Christmas, I got a call from my brother Paul, and, and uh, he said, Steve, I, I want to take you to a basketball game with me. My brother Paul has a good friend who at that time played for the Phoenix Suns, and, and so we made a road trip right around Christmas time, and we, we made our way out to Phoenix. We went to the Phoenix Suns game, and his friend being on the team meant we got to sit just right behind the team, and I'm a massive sports fan, especially NBA basketball, and we were just loving it, man. We were having a great time. And uh, after the game, we were invited down to a reception right where the doors are for the locker room. They have an area, and everyone stands there, and there's things to eat 
seat and, and the players come out and as they did we got to meet them and, and uh, again that was a lot of fun for me I, I know most of these guys uh, I know where they went to school and their height and what they play and, and it was a lot of fun as they were walking out and uh, as they did you know I'm meeting them and, and uh, talking a little bit several of them had played for the Lakers and, and uh, it was just a great environment but there was one player more than any other I, I hoped to meet that night in fact he was just put on the ballot for the NBA Hall of Fame his name was Steve Nash he played for the Suns at that time and I remember I waited and I waited and I waited and I found out that he knew there was a crowd outside of the locker room therefore he decided to take the back door and and I missed him that day I missed him did you know some have the notion that God is an unknowable person that he's an impersonal force living in the cosmos somewhere. Some, some believe that, that he's unknowable because he's uninterested in the affairs of our lives. But friends, I want you to know Christmas shatters that concept. Christmas is a love story. Christmas is God bursting through the door of that locker room because he's just so delighted to know we're there. It's him coming to us because he wants to live in relationship with us. I love the words that God shared with the shepherds who were caring for the sheep near Bethlehem. In verse 10 of the passage we read a moment ago, the Bible says this, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. If someone were to ask, hey, who's Christmas for? Well, God says it's for all people. It's for everybody. There's nobody that's excluded from the message of Christmas, from from the love of God. Christmas means this, you matter to God. It means that you're not an accident, that you're not an afterthought to God, and He wants you to know Him as much as He knows you. It'd be impossible for us to know God unless He would have been the prime mover in coming to us, being the instigator, putting this all together. He came to us. In fact, in John's gospel, the Bible says this, that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The Bible says, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I love the way the Bible there, speaking of Jesus, says that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's Christmas. God the Son was made flesh. That is to say, he was born as a baby. He became a man without ceasing to be God. And and the Bible says he dwelt among us. The idea there is to tabernacle or pitch your tent with people. It says he came to our neighborhood because we never could have made it to his. It's sad when we consider those religious leaders who missed out on a relationship with God because they were disinterested. All that God wanted to extend to them and offer them, they they refused because they were disinterested. They missed out on the most meaningful relationship that any person can have. And Christmas is a time to enjoy a relationship with God. And then finally today, I want us to see that Christmas is a time to be spiritually saved. To be spiritually saved. Herod, as we saw earlier, He missed Christmas because he was afraid of what a relationship with Jesus would mean for him. Uh, He mistakenly concluded that Christ would somehow diminish his life rather than, than add to it. Yet in the passage we read a moment ago, the Bible says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
Jesus here is referred to as a Savior, and we know what a Savior does. A Savior saves. And again, in this culture in which we're living, sometimes that word saved that we use is sometimes mocked, and and I don't think people really understand what it means. To be saved means you've entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. The Bible didn't call Him a salesman because we didn't need a product per se. He wasn't called a politician. We didn't need diplomacy. He was not called a soldier. We didn't need a war to be fought. The Bible calls Jesus a Savior because a Savior is something that all of us absolutely need. I want you to know God does not offer spiritual salvation based on how good we are because none of us None of us are perfect. Not a one of us. Over these last several weeks, I've shared a few of these stories. Kids write to Santa, and I've got one more for you today. I like this one. This one says this, Dear Santa, there are three boys who live at our house. There's Jeffrey, he is two. There's David, he is four. And there is Norman, he is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. But Norman is good all of the time. I am Norman, okay? (laughs) Sometimes it's good to be reminded none of us are Normans, you know? And I have no doubt I'm speaking to a bunch of good people, but I'm also absolutely certain I'm not speaking to any absolutely perfect people. None of us are Normans. God's Word teaches us this. In Romans 3 and verse 10, the Bible says this, as it's written, there's none righteous, no, not one. That word righteous is saying there's none of us that do right all of the time. Because the reality is when we were born, we were born as sinners. And we've all kind of perfected that art in the course of our time. There's none of us that can say, I do right all of the time. And that's a problem with the holy God. As much as God loves us, he can't look at us and say, listen, I know you're sinners. No problem. It's a problem. Because if we entered into a relationship with God and we brought our sin with us, that would absolutely mess things up. God has a really big problem with sin. He's a holy God. God didn't want to allow us into his presence with our sin. And Christmas then is his way of saying, I tell you what, I'll come to you. I'll take care of your need. I'll meet your need. I'll become your savior. Friends, to be saved from our sins and assured of a spiritual relationship with God is really a matter of us admitting the reality that none of us are perfect. It's trusting that Jesus is, that He is exactly who the Bible says He is, that He's God the Son, that He was born of a virgin, that He lived a sinless life, that He died on the cross for us, and that He rose again from the dead. This is the message, not just of Christmas. This is the message of the Bible. It's a story of God's love for us. And in the book of Romans, the Bible says this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there are a lot of words to like in that verse, but I love the word whosoever. Christmas is for everybody. It's for everybody. Christmas is bigger than a denomination. It it dwarfs churches. It's all about God's love for you as an individual. And that statement's true for us all. Whosoever. Christmas is for everybody. Jesus in John chapter 6 said this, he said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Listen, let me tell you what Jesus is saying there. He's saying, listen, I'm going to extend forgiveness of sins, the assurance of a home in heaven as a giant Christmas gift. And anybody that comes to me for that gift, they're going to receive it. I'm not going to say no to anybody. I've predetermined that if they come to me, I will in no wise cast them out. He accepts all of us the same way as we come to him by faith. 
Now, this is Christmas Eve Sunday. It fell on a Sunday this year. And uh, so this is our Sunday service and our Christmas Eve service. And you guys are the early crowd. Good for you. I hope that doesn't mean you've still got to run to the mall on the way home, but it might mean that, okay? Um, so I, I don't know why all the people that will come to our church over the course of these services will have the day will come. But I'd like to encourage you in this service right now not to miss out on one single part of Christmas. Now, listen, I, I hope you've seen It's a Wonderful Life and listen to the songs and all of that, but I'm talking now about the meaning, the actual meaning. I don't want any of you to miss out on what Christmas means. It might be that peace is what you're missing in your life and no one would have to twist your arm to bring you to the point of admitting that. You may be here today and you'd say, you know something, this has been a chaotic season, a difficult time for me. Friends, I want you to know it can be found, peace can be found in trusting in a God who can bring it to us. Maybe today, like the religious leaders, you, you know what it is to go through the motions. Maybe attending church is something you've done, things of that nature. But, but you'd say, you know, I've had religion. I'm not sure I really know what it is to actually have a relationship with God. Maybe you're here today and you're... Your heart is a little uncertain for this reason. You don't know that you actually have that, that relationship with God personally. And by that I mean this. You're not sure that your sins have been forgiven by God. You're not assured of, of a home in heaven. And friends, I'm saying that whatever our spiritual need may be in that regard, Christmas is God's way of saying, that's why I came to you. It's what Christmas is all about. Being saved spiritually is an offer that God extends to everybody as a Christmas gift. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible tells us this, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Now, I remember trying to wrap my mind around that concept before I was a Christian, and I often wondered, how do you receive a gift from a God you can't see? How do you do that? And the Bible makes it abundantly clear. It's done by faith. As I said, if we are saved spiritually, it's because we've admitted that we're sinners and we're not righteous and we come short. We believe that Jesus is God and that He came to pay for our sins. And we, in faith, ask Him to forgive us of our sins and give us a relationship with Him that will last forever. The Bible says that we are to confess with our mouth what's in our heart. It's not going through some religious motions. It's, it's a heart that really does understand, God, You love me so much that you came to me because I never could have made it to you. You did all of that because of love. And from our hearts, we then can confess in prayer to God. And I want to say this today. I cannot think of a better time than Christmas Eve Sunday to make sure in our hearts that we're not missing out on the real, true meaning of Christmas. I'm going to close our service today as I always do at the time of prayer, but today we're going to do it in a special way. I'm going to lead in a prayer for salvation. Maybe you're here today and in your heart you'd say, you know, I don't know that I have that relationship with God. I can tell you this, it's not found in me, it's not found in a church, it's not found in a denomination, it's found only in Jesus Christ. Spiritual salvation is not something that is attained by way of repeating a prayer. As I said, it's something that begins in our heart where we acknowledge I'm not perfect, and I need to be saved, forgiven of my sins. And where we trust God, we express that trust to God in faith. We ask Him to save us. So today as we close our service, I want to spend this time in prayer.
And if you're here today and you don't know that you have that relationship with God, as I pray, I'll say a few words and pause. I'd invite you to pray along with me. Make it your prayer from your heart to God. Let's make this the greatest Christmas it can possibly be. Why don't we bow our heads in a time of prayer right now? If you'd like to join me in this prayer this morning, I'd invite you to do so. Dear Lord Jesus, go ahead. I know that I'm a sinner and that I deserve to pay for my sins. Please forgive me of my sins and give me a home in heaven when I die. Thank you for hearing this prayer and answering this prayer. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. Let's keep our heads bowed just for a moment. I wonder how many of you here today would say, you know, pastors, you prayed that prayer. I was praying it along with you. I believe I prayed today and there was faith in my heart and I expressed that to Jesus and I prayed that prayer of salvation today. Are there those like that this, this morning? You just lift your hand quickly and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer with you. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Praise God, I'm so thankful for you. Our Father, we are grateful that you are a loving God that sees needs and meets them, that cares for us. God, I pray that you'd bless each person in this room today. I pray that you'd give them a great heart of joy as this time is celebrated. But God, beyond that, I pray that you'd give them an abundant sense of purpose, understanding what your coming means to us. God, I pray that it would change the way we live, not only on a holiday weekend, but throughout the course of our lives. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Would y'all be so kind as to join me in standing? I do mean it. If your life's like mine, you're a busy person and you made time to be here today. And uh, I'm grateful for that. Our prayer is that a service like this would be useful in your life and helping you connect with God by faith if you've not done that. Maybe today to reconnect, a day to refocus. And uh, many hands were raised today saying that you prayed that prayer with me. And I'm so glad about that. Nothing could mean more. And uh, I want to ask you if you do something for me. You don't owe me anything, but I'd like to ask you if you would to do something for me. As you leave today, in the back of the auditorium on either side, we have tables. And there's a book I'd love to give you as a gift that I think would be an encouragement to you. Uh, Also, under the VIP tent on the outside lobby, the book is there. I'd sure love for you to grab that and uh, just take that home with you uh, as a gift. Uh, That would mean so much to us. And uh, there's probably not a better way to end a Christmas Eve service than singing a great Christmas carol like Silent Night. Why don't we sing this song together as the team helps me do it. Let's sing this song. Hey, welcome. You doing good? Yeah, you're great. I... I had a guest come, and he brought his wife, and they both raised their hand. Who knows what that means, but it's a start, you know.
these services are always a little bit awkward. Oh man, I just took this from Ryan. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Well, I think it's got the cord.